this Sunday at Sunday Night Sensuality. The man's so creepy, even 2D characters are afraid of him. Weaboo Maldino. Bologna, it's still real to me, damn it. Hard times. And Karate Stinger, the man known as the hardest and longest in the barn, go end to end in a three-way waifu pillow on a pole match. This too-hot-for-TV muscle man gratification extravaganza will send chills down your spine and out your ass. You won't want to miss the greatest wrestling feature of this or any year. Will Weeaboo Maldino be able to defend his title? Or will one of our challengers strip him bare of his honor, his waifu, and his clothing? Don't miss MFFW Sunday Night Sensuality this Sunday at 9 p.m. Call your cable provider and tell them, give me the sensuality today. Don't delay. to another episode of king of the botch yeah king of the botch definitely uh this was not a worked shoot that no no but this is going to be a bit of a worked shoot here coming up um yeah welcome back to king of the shill um if you are joining us today for the first time this is a conversational podcast where scott and i try to shill each other on things that the other person either isn't into or doesn't have a whole lot of mileage with and we are at the tail end of the pro wrestling arc, mm-hmm. my pride and joy when it comes to this platform. And I was so fucking excited about the second part of this that I recorded over the first part of this. <laughs> yeah. Give us some background, though, Chris. What What is the topic of this week's episode? Well, if you can't tell by the title, we are talking about my favorite wrestling promotion. Um, I've, I've been an AEW stand since... Since they were incepted, uh, all elite wrestling, it is, in my opinion, the pinnacle of the modern art form, the best product that there is on the market right now for uh, the wrestling fan of any age. And you see, I it's been going well up until this point, would you say? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And... I have I had this dream in my mind that at the end of the wrestling show that we were recording it and releasing it in a time frame that lined up pretty much perfectly with AEW's ultimate show, their anniversary show every year called AEW All Out. And that I was convinced that we were on a collision course between One of my favorites currently, Hangman Adam Page, and probably, I think, the best wrestler maybe of all time, uh, one Kenneth Omega. 
um, in a blood feud for the AEW title. And I thought, what better way to introduce Scott to all elite wrestling than this great bare bones, just brass tacks wrestling angle that's got all sorts of great compelling juices going for it. And as it turns out, we would not get Hangman no. Adam Page versus Kenny Omega at All Out. We would instead get a much different card, which we will talk about. Um, but Scott and I recorded in person for the first time with King of the Shill ahead of that pay-per-view. And I just opened the file for this episode that we're on right now and just recorded right the fuck over. It. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were excited, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's yeah. That's the 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 silver lining is that this is less imp- this is the least important thing that I could possibly could have recorded over. Right. Um so I think it's probably a good idea to just take her from the top here, would right. you say? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's here's the deal. Scott and I watched Two of my favorite AEW matches. They are distinctly different. We have already watched them, but to give an overview of what we saw, we watched Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes at AEW All Out uh, 2019, and we watched uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page as the AEW Tag Team Champions fight their best friends, the Young Bucks, Nick and Matt Jackson, in a tag team match for the tag titles at AEW Revolution 2020. So, Scott, I rambled a lot when we recorded it first about AEW. Do you remember any of it? (laughs) I remember a little bit about it. I can't remember exactly. I can't. Here's the thing. I can't separate what I know about AEW collectively from what we specifically talked about. Cause we talked a lot about AEW while we were watching and then separate from the podcast since we talked about it. So yeah. I so, remember good. I was going to say, so like, it's probably a good idea if we go over the basics, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So to give you just an overview of why I am such a fan of AEW and I'm going to go about it a bit of a different way than I did it first Um, and just sort of explain to you and by proxy, the audience, why AEW exists and where it's at. So long time ago, opening the wrestling history storybooks, the fairy tale books of professional wrestling. Right. And when I say a long time ago, I mean just a few years ago. Um, There was a certain talking head in the industry. This talking head is very famous. Um, We have mentioned his name several times on this podcast already. Um, He gives ratings on matches, very prominent ratings for the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. This, he, he who shall not be named at this moment, essentially challenged Cody Rhodes, Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks, and said, I don't think these guys could sell out a 10,000-person arena. And they took that personally, and they did just that. And that show was called All In in 2018, um, and it took place in Chicago. Now, what's significant about this show is that it was fully independent. 
Um, this was not with AEW. This was something that Cody and the Young Bucks, who at the time were involved in the Bullet Club in New Japan Pro Wrestling alongside Kenny Omega and others. Um, and they were not really working with any other company outside of Ring of Honor and sometimes PWG, two independent companies in in North America. They were primarily New Japan Pro Wrestling talents. Right. And this is kind of um this is kind of a, a situation that involves Cody a little bit differently than it involves the Bucks because Cody is a former WWE superstar. He is um somebody that I thought and I know a lot of others thought would be forever in WWE because of his dad, Dusty Rhodes, super prominent figure in WWE towards the end of his life. And especially because his older brother, Dustin Rhodes was gold dust for how long, right? right? So you would think that WWE family, biggest game in town, he's going to be in WWE forever. And at the end of his WWE uh, career, he was doing a character that he didn't want to do anymore. And I know, I think, you know, this character, right? right? Stardust. Stardust. Yeah. Describe Stardust for me. Uh, it's what if gold dust had a power Rangers putty that was actually his younger brother, <laughs> but yeah. also the putty was sick and not a jobber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he would eventually do some jobs yeah. as stardust, but what's interesting about stardust is that this was something that a lot of people at the time were kind of like, why the fuck is he doing this? And then like, through interviews, it came out that like he had always had this dream as a kid that he wanted to be in a tag team with his older brother with gold dust, right? Yeah. And the same kind of like space alien, not from this world kind of, you know, creature yeah. character role, right? Um, And whether that's true or that's just, you know, that's, I'm, I'm sure there's, if 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 not all of it is based in truth from Cody's end, at least some of it is, right? But you know, obviously, a guy like Cody Rhodes who's got a great look, and I think I think Cody Rhodes looks like a champion. He looks yeah. like the the top guy of a wrestling company, right? Right. He's got large stature. I, I think very well. The first time I saw him in these matches, we were saying I was like, he he's an Aryan Nation looking dude, right? Yeah, <laughs> which truly he was leaning into it in the way that he was playing that like he had bleach blonde hair and he had like the weird aristocrat look but like he truly yeah. looks like he looks like the guy that plays the second in command nazi in an indiana jones movie yeah right and you know the bl the blonde hair being slicked back doesn't right. help that right <laughs> but the blonde hair is cool because like it's the way he sort of pays tribute to dusty and all that right it's the Rhodes family hair yeah. color so to speak mm -hmm. um and that's honestly there was a, a period of time where he was he, he dyes his hair back to, if he does like acting yeah there was a period of time where um when he turned heel he dyed his hair brown and i, I always kind of liked that that little touch yeah but anyway, I digress. It's significant for Cody Rhodes because he's involved in this stardust angle and he just wants to get out of it. And he finally, you know, reaches the end of his rope per, per, uh, personally and professionally and his contract with WWE. And he eventually leaves and starts working with New Japan Pro Wrestling and some of the indies. And, you know, what I always appreciated about it is that you had a lot of these guys that would doubt Cody Rhodes. Right. And I don't want to say that when he left WWE, I was somebody that was like, oh, this guy's going to be a megastar somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. But I was always of the opinion that, like, if you just let him wrestle and let him do his thing and be the character that he wants to be, 
he will be a, a great performer, valuable asset to the right. roster that you're running, right? And he really sort of proved, in my opinion, with his run in Ring of Honor and some of the other indies and then in New Japan, that he was main event level caliber. I mean, they put the they put the Ring of Honor title on him, right? He was involved in some major angles in New Japan with Bullet Club. And so, like, he really showed me and I'm sure a lot of other people that, like, he actually has the the guff, you know, for this kind of shit. Like what he was saying about wanting to break out of Stardust and sort of do his own thing and be taken a little bit more seriously, not using this Stardust character anymore. He he was valid validated in his feelings because he's he's a tremendous, tremendous wrestler and he's yeah. a great personality. And it's it's another thing, it's another big thing for the Bucks on their end because there are people that have been sort of not been taken seriously a lot by a lot of the North American talking heads, right? Like you guys got guys like Jim Cornette, who is a wrestling legend. Um, they constantly racks on the bucks and stuff like that because they do flippy shit. They do stuff. That's like, not this like down to brass tacks, bare bones going to be yeah. beat your ass in and drop the leg brother. They don't do that stuff. Right. Yeah. Boomer so shit. It was. Yeah, exactly. They don't do boomer shit. So it was big for them as well because it was like, you know, Cody, Cody kind of had to prove that, in my opinion, at least Cody had to prove that he, he was a worthy successor to Dusty's throne, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. He, he was the wrestling mind that he said he was, he's a great performer. He uh, is a great booker, right? He knows the, in, the industry side of the business. Right. And then, you know, for the bucks, they're, they're kind of proving that they can be a draw in North America because they've never worked for a major, major company in North America. So them selling out this 10,000 seat arena in literal minutes yeah. when, when, you know, you had people telling them that they weren't even going to sell out half of it is huge. Right. And so that kind of kicks off this chain of events that would see a major investor get involved in the form of Tony Khan, who is the son of Shahid Khan, the Khan family that own the Jacksonville Jaguars and Fulham FC. So, you know, you have a big, I, I mean, I guess venture capitalist is the right word for it, but a big venture capitalist and Tony Khan coming into this. And you start to see that he's also like a huge wrestling nerd, right? He starts right. doing these interviews while they're founding the company. And he's and like, I was listening to him and I was like, oh shit, this guy's a bigger wrestling fan than I am. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so it well, was also really interesting. There well, it's, too. it's not like, uh, I'm sure that we get this and people that listen to our podcast would get this, right? It's like E3, when the talking head from the studios gets on stage, you can tell which ones are like salespeople and which ones are like actually passionate about the art yeah. form, right? Like yeah, exactly, that kind of right. emotion. Yep, that's exactly it. Um, And so, you know, I would say the the three biggest moments in AEW's inception would be all in selling out and that show going off. Um, it, I went to that show because I was like, if this is the only one they do, I'm not missing it because the card was fucking stacked. I saw Okada wrestle on that card. Yeah. I watched him wrestle. Um, so th th that and then Tony Khan getting involved after the fact. And then uh, Chris Jericho leaving WWE and becoming like their first sort of major big deal signing for yeah. AEW, right? Which 
is a pretty fucking big deal, right? Like yeah. talk, it's Chris, Chris Jericho, like Chris, he's no slouch, you know, like well, he's top it, guy. Even if like, even if someone wants to say like, well, he's old and worn out or whatever, it's the idea that he could be taken from WWE, right? It's, right. it's stealing, not stealing, but you know, it's like stealing part of his legacy from them. He, it, did, he didn't end his career at the WWE. Well, that's exactly right. And you know, what's interesting is I've read, I've read a couple of Chris Jericho's books and I've listened to a good bit of his podcast and he always says, and you know, obviously disclaimer for anybody just getting into wrestling like Scott, if a wrestler says something and it's recorded, believe half. Yeah. So like it's, you know, I don't want to say that he's working completely. I do believe him when he says that like him and Vince have a great relationship. I don't doubt that. Right. Vince is like a penultimate businessman. Right. But I really do think when Chris Jericho says that he never had any intention of working anywhere in North America outside of WWE, he meant it until all elite wrestling was a thing. So to your point about his legacy with WWE, right? The transition for the, the whole thing of like big WCW star, he's got one of the most famous debuts in WWF history on raw. They put him out. When he debuted on Raw in the 90s, they put him out. They they had him walk out and he he got into a, a promo cutting battle with the fucking rock at like the height of his popularity. Right. Vince McMahon doesn't fucking shove you directly into a program with the rock if you don't have the chops. Right. Yeah. Chris Jericho is a big fucking deal and he's got a great legacy in this company. And so for him to be taken for him to go to all elite wrestling after being adamant for years that he would never work for another North American company, but WWE that for me is like the, was almost the coup de gras. Right. Yeah. And I'm comfortable calling it the coup de gras now because we would eventually see what would have turned into all out 2021, which, you know, we'll get into this on the episode for all out, but I, as a wrestling fan, lifelong wrestling fan, just about it felt like a fucking paradigm shift. Oh yeah. So, so that's AEW in a nutshell, right? Other things that you would want to know about them is that um, they have a lot of really big players that they brought in from the in- independent scene and New Japan Pro Wrestling. They currently have a working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling and Impact Wrestling, where they're sharing a lot of talent. Um, which is making for some really interesting television and really interesting um, storylines. Um, but when it comes to the matches that we watched for AEW, yeah. um, before we watched All Out, um, I wanted to show you AEW's understanding of everything that we have seen up until this point, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of classic shit getting getting down to the sort of foundations of storytelling inside the ring outside of the ring and then really transitioning into the modern form of the art of the art form where the modern version of the art form where it's a little bit less of the hokey spectacle and more of an athletic competition mm-hmm. right yeah um, so that's why I, I really wanted to show you Cody versus Dustin because it feels so old school Oh, yeah. and it feels really like an old school WWF match in a lot of ways. 
um, territory shit is what I like to call it. Right. Right. Like you think about like for me, I always looked at that and Cody and Dustin having, you know, being the sons of who they are, the sons of, I always looked at this match thinking to myself, like they're trying to replicate Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes from the territory days. Right. Yeah. It has that fucking you watching that match for me. Um, and not to get into too much of the thoughts here, because that's coming up next. We're going to go back in time after the break yeah. <laughs> and listen to the, the, to the discussion. The thoughts, yeah. Yeah. But I can almost smell a fucking gymnasium with popcorn when I watch that match. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, like even as someone who lacks the context of Dusty Rhodes career, you can tell that they are wrestling in a certain kind of way. Like all the storyline stuff aside that I past me didn't know at this point. Right. Like, you could tell that they were telling a story with how they were actually performing. I have every confidence that they don't wrestle that way all the time. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. No, (laughs) no. In fact, actually uh, there's a, I have a present for you at the end of this, but I know that Dustin doesn't, doesn't wrestle that way in particular anymore. So, (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, uh, dust, uh, Dustin versus Cody at all out, uh, 2018 is, uh, or 2019, sorry, is one that I, I really, really enjoy. And, uh, one that I wanted to show you for that reason. Cause I think it, I think it encapsulates what we talked about with the outsiders and also touches a lot on some of the more, uh, classic storytelling that we saw with like, uh, macho man and, uh, uh, Ricky, Ricky steamboat, yeah. the dragon, mm-hmm. Um, it, it encapsulates a lot of that. And then on the flip side of that, we start getting into, oh, and Brett, honestly, and Brett and Austin at WrestleMania 13 too, in a lot of ways. But on the flip side of that, we start getting into some of the uh, stuff that AEW does. That's way more modern. And that's stuff that is for the now wrestling fan in a lot of ways, this over the top, exciting uh, like just high spot filled right. pop fest of a match. Right. And, um, and just to give a bit of an overview of sort of why these guys are fighting for our listeners that might be wondering, gee, I thought you said that Kenny Omega hangman and page and the young bucks are friends. Um, they were embroiled in a storyline at the time where, um, hangman was kind of going through a self doubt phase and was feeling like his friends were he was letting his friends down and his friends were trying to oust him from the group. Um, and so uh, we see a lot of hurt feelings in this match, but that's about the extent of the uh, storyline that we get into. But we would have some additional thoughts on that storyline after we watch the match. But yeah, that's just about what we're getting into truncated here. So do you have any, do you have any thoughts on, 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 on what the, the people can expect with these matches before we cut into it? Yeah. Uh, before we get into it, I would say that you need to watch the first match as a story. You need to watch it with the archetypal understandings of what makes stories compelling brother against brother standing in your shadow fighting for the inheritance of the legacy, right? That's the type of thing you're going to get out of the first fight. 
And then obviously one particular part of it that I had a very strong reaction to, (laughs) which we'll talk about. And the second one, I think you need to watch it with the eye of. I mean, not that there isn't a story there, but watch it through the eyes of people trying to demonstrate their sheer physical supremacy. Right. Yes. Regardless Mm -hmm. of whether or not the victor of the match was decided, these are people trying to demonstrate that they are better. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that's I think that's a great that's a great analysis. Um, If nothing else, it it the two matches show, in my opinion, that AEW has a very deep and uh, intimate understanding with why wrestling is good for the the reasons that it is good for right if you can get into wrestling if you are looking to get into wrestling if you are already a wrestling fan and you like wrestling then aew is for you yeah so let's cut into it yeah let's do it but dustin i don't need I don't need a partner. I don't need, I don't need a friend. I need my older brother. finally seen some AEW. Yeah, we have. We have made it. We've made it. We've made it to the proverbial capstone to the arc. Mm-hmm. So, we went through Cody and Dustin at Double or Nothing, and I <laughs> I forgot how bloody that match oh was. Oh my god. Like you you paused about five minutes into the fight before anything really interesting had happened. Like, are you like squeamish with blood? And I was like, <laughs> nah, like not really. Like, I don't like seeing people in pain or hurting themselves, but like, it's not that big of a deal. Oh my God. He, it, it looked like, do you know the, um, I think it's creep. It's either creep show or something else. I can't remember. There's a very famous horror movie poster. It has, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. It's the face of the girl and her face is entirely covered in blood. Like you yeah, have Carrie. like, oh, how the fuck did I forget that? Carrie. Yeah. So, oh, you're wearing a Carrie shirt today. <laughs> apropos. Uh, but um, it like Dustin's face at one point looked like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it um, I'll tell you, I I really like that match because, like I said, I think it's a it's a really good example of how AEW really like considers the tenets of wrestling right right? the pillars of it like what what this art form what this business and industry was built on right they have a very big appreciation for it and this is as old school of a worked match as you're gonna get in 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 the the modern era and 
I just want to know what did you what did you think of this one? So I'm going to give my brief impressions of both because I want to contrast them, right? Yeah, I compare okay. and contrast yeah, them. Yeah. But so they were both really good. Uh, Dustin Cody was more interesting to me from a narrative perspective and the emotions of any particular thing being done in the ring. And the Young Bucks versus Paige and Omega was, I, I think it's fair to say it was better wrestled. Yeah. But there weren't, as clear or i guess it's it's more i think about simplicity right the simplicity of the narrative stakes in cody dustin was a little more palatable right so yeah definitely dustin cody even though i said young bucks was better wrestled is still a really interesting match right like (laughs) yeah they they take the the angle of like this family feud thing and they they take it to the limit right right you get everything you get oh no you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses moment like you wouldn't spike your brother into bare metal (laughs) would you you get uh bare ass spanking with a belt you get right the the sister-in-law uh getting involved and like uh causing drama and causing spectacle right like it's it's literally like trashy uh uh reality tv but in like a wrestling arena right like springer <laughs> yeah springer uh it was really interesting i i could really feel the like brotherly love angle right they spend a lot of time in the the pre preamble going over like i've always loved my brother this like like family feud angle is like interesting and it sells tickets but it's not entirely accurate right and yeah it, it's this this really it's really this thing of like I don't have a problem with my brother. It's just, I got to prove that I'm the best. Right. Yeah. Right. And, or, you know, like that it's my time in the Rhodes family. now. Right. Mm-hmm. I am the throne breaker. I'm yeah. going, I'm the one that gets to make fun of WWE where your legacy is from. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think the highlights, right. were like, obviously the, I don't want to talk too much about the blood. It was just like, it was it's ver- brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, it's it's one of those things I even mentioned to you where that is a th- that's, is that what you call a high spot or just a spot? Uh, just a spot. Yeah. OK, so sure. it, it's one of the spots that like. It hooks you into the narrative of the fight itself. Is this blood because it's to like reinforce this dramatic heel or like cruelty thing that Cody is wrestling? Or is this to prop up the eventual victory of Dustin, right? Like, yeah, this right. is spice on some type of dinner, and I don't know what it is yet, right? So, <laughs> yeah, uh, the 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 blood and everything surrounding it was really interesting. Uh, Brandy, I think, was a really good way to start it, right? To like, yeah, it, he had this like plausible deniability at first of like, look, it's not me causing problems; it's my wife, right? Uh, sure, he he definitely is wearing this honestly like kind of he's taking triple h like a little bit too much to heart there right like he has all the jokes and references that start with the sledgehammer and the breaking Uh the throne and the skulls he's wearing what is essentially hunter hearst helmsley attire except he doesn't look like a dork uh (laughs) and then his female companion interferes in his matches right like yep 
it's it's very it's a little too on the nose even me like i'm not a wrestling fan <laughs> and i got what he was going for right yeah so right but like brandy was a really good part uh spe- she literally spears dustin at one point gets thrown out uh uh diamond dallas page comes and uh picks her up and literally hauls her out of the arena she throws yeah. a water bottle in his face at one point like there's there's <laughs> It's just like this this buildup, right, of like all this. Uh, you can imagine this behind the scenes pent up frustration, right? I said to you that it was more about not not even necessarily proving that I'm better than you. It's that like I was always better than you. I'm not li- I'm not living in your shadow, Dustin. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, that type exactly. of thing. So it, it's less about like breaking out of the shadow and more about like saying like you and I aren't even on the same level. And I don't know even know why I have to do this to prove it. Right. You know? So you get a, a really like compared to the kind of again, I'm going to call it strong style because I don't know like if it's the right word, yeah. but like the sure. strong style of the Bucks match and even like what we saw yesterday, uh, not yesterday, last time. Ugh last time with the uh uh new japan stuff right like yeah there's a weight to the way that they wrestle that isn't present in this fight like you said i think it's yeah. like an homage to kind of the older way of doing things but yeah. the narrative stakes are there obviously he's not really like spanking cody with like a metal rod or something that would cause him like actual pain but it's right. the symbolic nature of the older brother putting the little brother in his place, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to take your belt that you're so proud of, and I'm going to literally swat your ass in front of <laughs> millions of viewers or whatever, right? So, right, right. Then there is the like the fighting through the blood they keep doing, um, uh, the crossroads, which I'm assuming is like a Rhodes family style finisher or something like that, right? So, yeah, like. It's it's this really compelling wrestling narrative of just these two guys that know each other in and out. They have a lot of love for each other, working out this these decades of frustration on each other in a way. Right. Right. So all that was cool. Sorry, go ahead. Was I when I. I'm like ninety nine point nine percent sure that Dustin did not mean for their oh yeah that that much blood yeah i mean i can't i can't really undersell it i like you said i remembered five minutes into the match that it got pretty bloody i forgot how bloody oh my god yeah it it was at the degree of like oh stop the damn match yeah (laughs) it, it, it gets to a point where everybody is aware that wrestling is fake and we're very happy and we love these wrestlers for putting it on the line to give us a spectacle. And it's like Dustin is 50 years old and he's had a long and storied career and I don't doubt his integrity. That is a lot of blood. Should we reconsider? Right. Like (laughs) it's like humans only have so much that they can lose. Now, not that I think he's going to die on the mat, but when you're also getting pulverized real or not while that's happening, Maybe we should reconsider, right? So <laughs> it's it's that kind of thing. And you you, you again you, you give a lot of respect to Dustin because he's fighting through it. He literally cannot see for a large yeah. majority of the match because there's so much blood, it is literally covering his eyes, right? Yep. So uh finally he clots at a certain point and we get the Cody pin, but it's it's like it that's actually I would say the focal point of the match is it becomes like this 
almost this uh what's the word like this show of cruelty of cody just like the, the there's no like brotherly honor of like oh let's get you a towel let's wipe yeah, this off right. and have a fair fight it's oh, okay i'm gonna kick you while you're down right i mean after he starts gushing yeah it he like Cody's on the outside and he f- sees a puddle of Dustin's blood on the ground and he puts his hand and, in it, and he wipes, wipes it, it on his chest. chest. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Chad. Yeah. So yeah, I love Cody in this match a lot. Yeah. He, we get the Cody pin and, uh, Dustin has, he's like walking out of the arena, but then, we, then we have the real brotherly love moment. Right. Yeah. Right. So Cody comes back in the ring and he's like, Hey, you're not allowed to retire. I need a tag team partner, but actually I don't need a partner. I don't need a friend. I need my older brother, right? Like that's, that's how you end it. It's a little cognitively dissident from what just happened in the ring, but you forgive it. It's like, yeah, hell yeah. That's what I want. I want the two brothers to go and beat some ass, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. And like I said, it's like, it's like the logical thing, right? Like it, that is a wrestling trope if there ever was one this idea of when there's a blood feud at the end of it you always like to see them have a moment of positivity right Mm -hmm. it's the same thing that like you know it's the same thing that would cause uh like you you think about the mega powers back in the day macho man and hulk hogan when they were a tag team like it's almost the reverse of that, right? Like it's it's the same trope, just in in two different directions of right. their friends now, and now okay, it's run its course. I I want to see them rumble, right? right. I want to see I want to see them fight, and this is like the reverse of that, right? And like you said, it's it's never it's it, it's just such a wrestling thing. It's never it's never it's never bad that it just happens, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. these guys. They went out, they laid it all down in the ring. They left their hearts in there. And now, like you said, now I want to see them make up and go beat some well, ass. I want to bring this up too, because we talk about this a lot. And I think this is a perfect example. So both of us have strong emotions around The Last of Us 2, uh, particularly yeah. its writing, <laughs> right? And there is a mindset that would lead someone to say, looking at it from the outside, like, well, how can you shit on something like The Last of Us 2 and its writing and then watch this and like say, oh, that was so cool how they like came together as brothers in the end. Right. And it's, yeah. a, it's a matter of the consistency and the principle of the writing. Right. Like Last of Us is trying to moralize with this like really holier than thou attitude that then self contradicts itself. And this is just simple, relatable human emotion, right? Like, yeah, I'm an only child, but I have similar like familial relationship experience. Everybody has this experience. You said it in, in our pre-show, right. Of there's the person you love that you hate that you have beef with. Right. Like, right. I it's not that Cody doesn't love Dustin. He loves Dustin, but he's got something to prove and Dustin's going to have to take a beating. Right. And then when it's all done, when all the anger's worked out, once you've had your sibling fight, then you come back together. Right. Right. It's tale as old as time and it's still effective. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like I kind of said this about John Cena in our last episode about the concept of meeting the audience on their level. And this is another example of that, right? Where it's don't muddy the waters too much. Don't make it, don't make it too complex. Right. Like, right. 
this everybody understands what it's like to have beef with a family member and then after you have a blow up you make up right, right. Mm -hmm. so i'm glad you like that match because yes. that was the one that i thought for sure would be the harder sell between the two because yeah. it's really old school right and i have been cognizant that as we've been making our way through these matches, one thing that you've really enjoyed outside of great storytelling, right? And like the obvious, uh, like the, the good angles, right? Yeah. Is that the, the, the higher flying stiffer yes. stuff seems yeah. to be more your style. Yes. Uh, and our next match provided that in spades. Yes. Um, now, here's something interesting that I want to call out first. Because mm -hmm. we did talk a little bit about this before we started rolling. My friend and I, Steve, have always talked about the idea that the elite mm -hmm. and all elite wrestling in general, they got their popularity through the Being the Elite YouTube show. And there's a lot that happens on that show storyline-wise. And we've discussed at length about it, whether or not it's a good thing that that still exists while AEW is a show, right? Right. Because there is definite merit to having that extra content for people to engage with, I think, right? But when we cross into the territory of adding major storyline elements into that stuff that happen outside of the actual wrestling, right? Um, it kind of gets a little bit of a into a gray area, right? Mm -hmm. Because like you, you simultaneously are relying on people seeing that while also relying on the rest of everything else, being able to tell the story effectively for the people that don't engage with that aspect. Now we didn't go through the effort. I didn't go through the effort like I did with the outsiders and showing you a bunch of the promos and a bunch of the episodes of being the elite, because this storyline has a lot to it. Right? Yeah, the, mm -hmm. like we are picking 40 minutes out of a, a storyline that's been going on for years at this point. This hangman elite storyline is still going on. Mm -hmm. It's still happening. So one thing that I thought was interesting was that. You had mentioned that the narrative stakes were a little bit more difficult to get into. Yes. With this one. So before we get on to the performance, take me through that, because I think this is interesting. Yeah. So being a total outsider. Right. So I knew at least tangentially who the Young Bucks were. I didn't know much about their gimmick. I know who Kenny Omega is. Like I said, yeah. I knew literally nothing about Hangman Page. You, I have heard you say his name one time. That is the extent of my knowledge of this person, right? <laughs> yeah. So coming in, my impression was going to be like I whenever we're watching any of these things, I lay out in my mind how I think it's going to go. Right. It's like watching kind of a murder mystery. It's like I want to guess and then see what actually happens. Right. So yeah. I thought mm -hmm. this was going to be a Young Bucks redemption arc where this was they prove themselves to their brethren in the elite. Right. And they take their rightful yeah. place. I'm instead treated to this visual marquee showing hangman page to be this guy that's like going off the rails right like he's yeah they're showing him with this drinking problem he's causing drama with his friends he's walking out of interviews so i'm coming into this thinking oh this is going to be an interesting quadrangle of like kenny trying to bear the burden of this heel that's going to have all this heat he's generated from being a scumbag 
against uh-huh. the own bucks, right? Right. And instead, they start walking out into the arena and the young bucks are getting heat. Like the people are booing the young bucks coming in. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then Hangman Page comes out. And not only are they losing it, they're screaming cowboy shit, cowboy shit. And I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, what? What am I missing here? Right. Uh, Yeah. Kenny comes out and he gets kind of a lukewarm reaction. Right. And there's yeah. not booing, yeah. but they're not like popping for Kenny right now. So. Right. Um, so they they get in the ring and like n- not the performance parts, of it, but the narrative parts of it, like the Bucks are the ones doing most of the heel things like. Page has a couple moments where he does some despicable shit. Like he spits in, uh, it was Matt's face, I think. Matt, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He spits in Matt's face. He tags in Kenny with a super hard chest slap. Like he does yeah. some like kind of heelish stuff, but it's the young bucks doing a lot of the like dastardly shit. They're kicking Kenny in his injured shoulder. They're assaulting, uh, the ineligible wrestler a lot of the time. Uh, there is an extended sequence where was it Nick or Matt that had Hangman on the ramp? Oh, it was Matt had Hangman on the ramp and was suplexing. Yeah, a bunch of Matt times. was suplexing Hangman into the hard ramp, the like unprotected ramp, right? Yeah. So they were doing a lot of the dastardly stuff, and that was it was interesting. I think that was the like I would be interested in rewatching this match after I have more context on the people because it was very well wrestled, but I was kind of lost on the narrative stakes a lot of the time. Right. Yeah. And I think that like, I think I was so excited to show you just the match, right. That like, I forgot that this storyline sort of exists in a lot of gray areas. And I think that that makes it a little bit, um, like I was alluding to before, there's a lot of stuff that happens on their YouTube show with this storyline, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that happens like in promos on Dynamite. So I, I am doing you a little bit of a distur- disservice narratively by not showing you that stuff, because what's interesting about this match is exactly as you said, right? This is like I mentioned while we were watching Cody and Dustin that Cody and Dustin are both over. Right. Right. People are popping for both Cody and Dustin. And that's kind of the same case here. Right. Like people are still popping for the young bucks to an extent. Yeah. When they do cool shit. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're wearing like bright colors and they're wearing like baby face attire. You know, they're still doing this thing where it's like we are the elite. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think um, I think that the storyline definitely has a lot more to it than we saw in the match Mm -hmm. um but the match still carries an insane amount of weight so oh absolutely let's talk about the match yeah so on the flip side right uh first of all you are right i really like the young bucks uh they are (laughs) insane uh i i like the high fly and flippy shit uh i i can understand why people might not because it's like encroaching upon it 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 stuff like that encroaches upon the suspension of disbelief right uh there's yeah. a great moment that uh i think exemplifies that it wasn't even the young bucks uh where um uh page uh hangman he backflips off the turnbuckle he does like a moonsault yeah. and they catch him right because obviously right. if he hits the yeah. ground he could break a bone right right mm-hmm. so high flying flippy shit runs the risk of kind of taking you out of it but mm-hmm. when it's executed well, like what the Young Bucks do, and oh my God, like the super kicks, like it's like 30 sweet chin musics in a single match, right? <laughs> like um, yeah. when they're doing it, uh, there was one moment, Nick, uh, I, I think it was Nick, 
he fought off someone in the ring and used the momentum off the side ropes to flip himself out of the ring and hit, I think, Kenny on the yeah. uh, on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. The like, saw, yeah. When you do that stuff, it is impossible not to pop. It is like, yeah. holy shit. Like the, the yeah. stunt coordination of what just happened there is incredible. So, yeah, I really like the Young Bucks. They seem to wrestle my kind of style. Um, I like the creativity of what they're doing too. like the uh their uh finishing move what do you what do they call it the melter driver yeah like the when they do the the paired up super kicks there's something just like simply satisfying about that oh, stuff yeah, right yeah. when they do like their their double super kicks yeah. yeah that shit is cool yeah so i like that on the flip side i'll talk about that match in general but then on the flip side like I know how Kenny wrestles a little bit now, right? Yeah. He has mm-hmm. he has a pretty I don't want to call it simple because like that sounds like a word that's like doing a disservice, but like he's not doing like insanely crazy stuff. It's just like very fundamental but very high level, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's very technically sound. Yeah. You know, like it's these things where like when he does like uh a tope moonsault or a tope flip, right? Or like when he when he like in the Okada match when he did that like senton flip over the ropes into Okada, right. right? He'll pull that stuff out at certain points and it's always like so pretty, right? right. Mm-hmm. But then you have the young bucks that are just like basically like Spider-Man, yeah, right? They, They're they, just fucking flipping all over the place. They, uh, they kept doing something too where they would use the middle rope to bounce themselves up to the top rope to do like some type of high flying maneuver. Like Kenny's yeah, not doing uh-huh. that shit. You know what I mean? They, right, and they exactly, did that a lot. Yep. They didn't just do yeah. that like one or two times. So yeah, exactly. Um, And then you have Hangman that was giving me honestly Steve Austin vibes in many ways, which uh-huh. maybe this is part of why he goes over is like, he's just the angry as fuck uh every man you know what i mean he's mm-hmm. he's doing just mostly clotheslines uh submission holes he's just slamming dudes into the mat right that's that's yes. his entire premise that's his thesis statement on wrestling and yeah it was interesting to see these two styles collide because like this is one of the things about match psychology is you have this guy hangman page who is much bigger than matt jackson pasting him into the ground and going for his lower back over and over again right right but it still feels believable that when nick ambushes him and fucking super kicks him that he's gonna feel it right right like Mm -hmm. you have you have to lead people into this idea that these two teams can hang and it's like kind of the strike ethos right like the young bucks do a couple of throws but a lot of it for them is like whippity woo like dodge and weave and then kick you in the face and that adds up over time right or like do a high flying maneuver and throw my whole body weight at you so yeah it's that kind of stuff i think goes a long way to telling the narrative of the match and the match itself i thought was really well wrestled uh like oh my god the v triggers and the face kicks like you can hear (laughs) just in the sound that at least 70% of them is connecting, right? Like, yeah, right. It's actually being kicked and stuff. So, I mean, props to those guys as usual. They're putting it all on the line. Very believable. Um, there wasn't a lot of like kooky stuff either. But I think what was most interesting, this ties back into the narrative thing, is 
they are wrestling the narrative into the match. There were so many moments where like at the start, just the sportsmanship stuff like uh, Kenny and match. No, Kenny and Nick shake hands. Yeah. And they're like, OK, we're going to tag in our partners now. And they both mutually go to their corners and tag in. And Matt's like, shake my hand, Paige. GG's, shake my hand. And Paige <laughs> just spits in his face, right? Yeah. And right. that that leads into this like fury moment where oh wait, no, I think it I think it was, it was Matt. Matt. Was yeah, did Matt go crazy? Face. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I think they did a, a second time of this too, where Matt goes nuts and starts like trying to attack him, right? Yeah. How dare you disrespect me? And then right. you've got, I think later, Matt spits in Paige's face, and he's got Matt yeah. on the mat, and he's just like pounding him incessantly right (laughs) he's just like slamming his fist into him over and over and over again so you get these these emotional stakes if you can tell this is like it's kind of similar to the brother thing it's i called it trench brothers earlier where it's like a lot of times in relationships right especially with people that you're really close to when you're really close it's hard to talk about things that are causing strain in the relationship and talk about and like to to try and let off steam and this yeah. this has the energy of people that are at their limit with each other right yeah like mm-hmm. okay i still want to be cool after this but i don't know if we can because i am really mad at you right now right like or yeah. something mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting to see that stuff we would also go to see that conflict yet unresolved what did you think of the finish it was uh I don't want to call it anticlimactic. It was just like it, it was bizarre because, like I said, I came into this with a completely different expectation. I thought this was going to be the redemption, quote unquote, arc for the uh, the young bucks. So did I, to be fair, when I first saw this, having all of having seen everything leading up to this, I thought for sure the bucks were going over. So we have this moment where Matt or Nick, either way, one of the young bucks is suplexing Paige into the ramp for yeah an extended period right so Mm -hmm. page vanishes from screen right (laughs) yes and i immediately was like okay something's going on (laughs) right i don't know what but he's gone and we have this moment with kenny like they're using you explained it to me they're they're kind of insulting him by using his uh tag team finisher with his best friend from japan uh the golden trigger he's like angry and he, he gets up and outright but we come to this moment where Paige re-enters and saves Kenny from this thing. And we have this massive back and forth of uh, from that point on, there's a couple minutes left in the match. I figured Paige would just come back and grab it immediately. As soon as I saw right. him on the side of the arena, I'm like, okay, this is it. He's going to do something, right? But we have this back and forth, this last spurt of energy from both teams of multiple times where they've got one guy in a pin and the partner interferes. And we get this lead up. Kenny, okay, I've fucking had it. Nobody is getting pinned. I'm putting you in the one-winged angel, right? The unbreakable move. But Kenny has had his shoulder injured earlier in the mat- match by Matt. So he's trying to put him in the one-winged angel, but it won't work. It's not that the one-winged angel is infallible. It's just if he does it to you, you don't get out. So people yeah. can kick him or punch him or whatever, and he drops him. So right. Matt gets out, and lo and behold, our hero, question mark, Hangman <laughs> Page, he takes he picks up where he left off, and he picks up one of the young bucks, I can't remember, but he picks up one of the young bucks and gives him the one-winged angel. Yeah. 
And uh, where did we go from there, Chris? So, I mean, it basically at the end of the match, um, they, I mean, the, the one winged angel is broken up. Yeah. And the match ends with hangman giving the buckshot lariat. Yeah. To Matt and pinning him because yes. at this point he had power bombed Nick through the tape, through a table outside the timekeeper's oh, yeah. table. He, well, he power bombed him through the table and he also had to throw him out of the arena because of this incessant interference. Right. Yeah. So hangman gets the pin on the young bucks, which again, this whole storyline leading up to this point has been the bucks basically like what's your fucking problem? Yeah. Right. We don't understand what your problem is. And we get a little bit of uh, an idea in the pre-match promo when they're showing one of the interviews that they were doing and hangman's essentially like, this is the biggest accomplishment of my career. And the first thing that you want to do is take it away from me. Right. Yeah. And Matt says, when we found well, you, you were just a jobber yeah. in ring of honor. I was about to say they, they said some pretty heinous shit to him too. So, yeah. So we have this like really interesting thing happen where Kenny can't get it done. Yeah. And Hangman comes in and gets it done. Yes. Right. So he pins him. And the Young Bucks are kind of like trying to reconcile. In the yeah. Ring, right? Let's all get together and hug it out because we're brothers yeah. and we made this company. Yeah. And right. And so like Kenny's dapping them up. And they're looking at Hangman and he's like, nah. He's like, I told you a while ago I was done. I was done with the elite for a while. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of been like the interesting thing is like, you know, I think that's why Hangman is such a sympathetic character in this case and why like they have the fans on his side in the storyline is that, you know, the Bucks have a really easy in to this storyline, right? They're like, we made this company. We're the best tag team in the world. Like we, we, we brought everybody that works for this company is here because of us, not in a cocky way. I mean, a little, right. But yeah, still this thing of like, if there was anybody that expected, or if there's anybody who is expecting like anybody else to be the tag team champions, right. It, it, like it should have been us, right. We should have been the first tag team champions, Right. We're the Young Bucks. We made this company. These belts are ours. We're the best tag team in the world. We're trying to champion the tag team division of AEW. It should have been us. And it kills us that it wasn't. And it kills us even more that it's not. Yeah. Right. So you have like an easy in for the Bucks in this scenario. Like it's easy to, you know, empathize with them. But then you have Hangman, right? Who is essentially, like I said before, like he had the shot to be the first AEW champion. He bungled it. And he's really feeling like he's kind of letting everyone down, right? Mm -hmm. So he's got this. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say that he he becomes an alcoholic, right? But he's got like a, a drinking problem, a coping problem to help him yeah. cope with it, and it's kind of interfered, right? His emotions have kind of interfered with this, right? But it's this whole thing of. You've always, you've all had, everybody's had a friend that feels like they're being disingenuine, right? Yeah. Everybody has this, everybody has an experience with feeling like somebody's occluding their true feelings from you. And even though they're 
telling you that everything's cool on the outside and trying and like treating you as one of the group. Every so often you see some behavior that squeaks out that like kind of tips you off that. I think, I think something's up here. Right. right? And that's really what, what hangman is going through here. And why I love that at the end of this match, before he leaves the arena, Kenny's got his back turned after the Bucks are leaving, leave the ring and hangman drops his title. Yeah. And he gets in the position to give Kenny the buckshot lariat. Oh, is that what that was? So yeah, his okay. finisher. Okay, so I kn- I knew he was looking to like attack him, but yeah, that flip over clothesline that he does. Okay, all right, because that there's this very obvious moment even to me, right? Where I don't even know like what the move would be, but like that's that's the look of a predator, right? Like that's I see someone that I want to take down, and he's vulnerable. And this is my shot. And oh, he turned around. Oh, I was just getting the, the rope for you, buddy. Come on. Right. Yeah. And and it like, you know, I, it, it gives an, uh, another aspect to the storyline of like Hangman was going to fucking take Kenny's head off simply because Kenny still wants to be friends with the Bucks. You know, yeah. we see the clips before the match of Hangman trying like Hangman and the Bucks, like almost like in a tug of war over Kenny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's, and Kenny's like, what the fuck? That's, you know? a, that's a good angle that I didn't really notice. It's it, that's a that's relatable too. it's like someone gets new friends and it's that that fear of did, is he upgrading? Is he going to leave me behind like that? That yeah. type of thing. Right. Like. If you're not with me, you're against me. So, yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, this is, again, a still ongoing storyline. And we would eventually see not the Young Bucks beat Kenny and and, and Hangman for the titles, but it would indeed be FTR, um, another tag team, great tag team in the division. So we never got the Young Bucks going over Kenny and and Hangman here. Mm -hmm. This was... This was when they fought and Kenny and Hangman won. And shortly after this, we would see Kenny turn on Hangman and the entire elite turn heel. Uh, So where we are right now in this storyline is that Hangman is not on the show. He has taken some personal time off to he him and his wife uh, recently had a daughter. I think a daughter, baby, at least. Mm -hmm. So he's he's had some time off. Right. But we would see Hangman find some new friends in a faction called the dark order who are really helping him get through his problems, right? The dark order to sum it, sum it up briefly was originally a heel faction that has repurposed themselves into this like mental health, like friendship group, right? What? Like we want to support you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they've taken hangman under their wing, right? And um, have even like, you know, sort of promoted Kenny to challenge Hangman, right? To like try and get them to resolve their issues, right? Like because they think Kenny's scared of Hangman, right? So yeah. this whole this whole storyline is still very much ongoing, okay. right? But we we got what I think is the best bit out of it, out of this match here. So my question is, now that we've dabbled in a little bit of AEW, can you see what I'm saying about this 
cornucopia of all things wrestling that has brought us to this point. Yeah, I mean, it's the spirit is alive in it. It's immediately obvious from whether it's the homage that they're paying. Like, you, you can tell that Cody Rhodes takes this shit very seriously, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't just playful ribbing. Like, oh, Triple H said some mean things about me, so I'm going to, like, spoof him up. This is like, no, your dynasty is dead. WWE sucks. I am going to kill you, right? Like yeah. this, this type of mentality. So you can see that and the way that they like, they set up this arena for this brotherly dispute and then bring them into the fold, right? Like there's like all this backstory of, Hey, you gotta be Stardust because that's sells toys or whatever, right? Like the fact that they're just doing what is cool, right? They're creating the best possible product. And then when you look at someone like the Young Bucks, where like they are a walking, I don't want to say pastiche, but they're they're a walking send up of wrestling. Right. Like yeah. mm-hmm. they're just like, OK, I'm going to do just a bunch of cool shit. Right. Like, look at this. Right. Look at me. <laughs> so. I can see what you're saying. I'm really excited to see this full pay-per-view and see some other stuff, too, because Honestly, I do think this is something I could watch, right? Yeah, and it's even if it's not like uh even if it's not something where you're watching BTE and you're watching like Dynamite and Rampage every single week, right? Right. It's just that aspect of cuz wrestling fandom now isn't watch every week. You right. know what I mean? Like it is for me, but like you have a lot of wrestling fans that engage with it through Twitter, you know, through highlights and stuff, and they'll engage with the pay-per-views with the big shows. Right. right? And it's almost like MMA in a way, right? Like I, I'm, I will, I will buy an MMA card, like a UFC card and watch it. If there's a ton of good fights on it that I'm like, wow, this looks really interesting. Right. I stay in touch with it through Reddit and through Twitter and shit like that. But I got friends that are like they they know every single thing about every fighter, right? The same right. way that I am with wrestling, you know. Mm-hmm. But what I think is so interesting about AEW is that unlike WWE, you can always count on something with a lot of meat on the bone, right? Right. You can always count on something to come in that you can come in and see and get something out of it that is quintessentially wrestling. Yeah. Right. When you think of wrestling, you can get anything out of AEW that falls under your personal perception of it because they are a wrestling company. They are not the same in in the same way that WWE is. And again, I will not take too much away from WWE, but they themselves have a commercial where they show somebody getting a WWE tattoo and he says, And I quote, I'm not a wrestling fan. I am a WWE fan. Yeah. Despite the fact that wrestling is in the company name, they still insist on calling it sports entertainment. Yeah. And, you know, it's become a meme. Like, I'll say to people all the time, like, I'm sports entertained by this. Yeah. Because that's what it is. It's sports entertainment. Well, but it's it, wrestling. But I can understand that feeling, even if I don't 
particularly understand the WWE part. Like, I mean, look at everything I enjoy Star Trek, right? Like Star Trek used to be utopian science fiction, optimistic science fiction, aspirational science fiction. And the most recent show is just another cash grab on the future sucks. Everything sucks. Look at look at our shiny CG. Right. Yeah. Right. It's the same emotion. It's like the, the where the core of something, the wrestling isn't what what at least they think sells anymore. So it's just this by another name. It's wrestling, but it's sports entertainment. Don't worry about all that weird wrestling shit. We'll have like some guy get put through a table 15 times. Right. Like, yeah. don't worry about that. So. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's really not much to say outside of we got all out coming up tomorrow, dude. Yeah, and I am excited. So. I'll just give you a couple matches on the card that I'm excited for that. I think that yeah. we can all look forward to um, that will tangentially relate to things that we have discussed in this arc. First and foremost, CM Punk's first match back since 2014 yeah. is on Sunday. So it's almost poetic that we had such a fun time watching Punk and Cena. And that's been one of the highlights for you because it just so happens that CM Punk's AEW de- debut happens against uh, yeah. a man named Darby Allen that I think you will like. He is kind of like a combination of Jeff Hardy and Sting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's he's cool. I think you'll like him. Um we've got Kenny Omega fighting Christian of Edge and Christian fame. If you remember Edge and Christian. Oh, I remember Edge, era. but I don't remember which one was Christian. His- his tag team partner, Edge, Edge's tag team partner. I probably Christian. will recognize him, but it doesn't come to mind like Edge does. But either way. Yeah, he's cool. Um, yeah. You know, there were a lot of people that were expecting uh, Kenny's title match at All Out this year to be against Hangman, where Hangman was going to go over. Yeah. Him and, you know, the conclusion of the storyline. Um, And like I've said before, I don't I think that they're going to have Hangman kick out of the one wing at Angel personally when it happens. Mm-hmm. But since he's out, you know, they've they've brought this. uh this storyline up this uh, for this match with Christian. And it's actually been pretty interesting because since, since Kenny has turned heel um, and we'll cover this um, on the all out pre-show, but since Kenny's turned heel, he's his current gimmick is like the belt collector. He's the heavyweight champion in like three different promotions, or at Mm. least he was, he was AEW heavyweight champion, impact heavyweight champion um, and triple a heavyweight champion, which is, one of the, the, I think it's the biggest promotion in Mexico. Oh, so wow. he's been the belt collector, Kenny Omega. And he's been piling around with the young bucks who are the AEW tag team champions. They have a heel valet named Don Callis and their buddies from old school bullet club, Doc Gallows and machine gun, Carl Anderson are piling around, around mm. with them right now as well. So it's kind of like this fun little, corporate kind of rich guy version of bullet club slash the elite. And uh, it's been pretty interesting because Kenny's like a big asshole right now. Okay. That's his gimmick is he's an asshole. He's not, he's not, you know, King weeb anymore. He's like, I'm an asshole. Kenny Omega. Like I'm, I'm the best. I have all these belts. Fuck you. I'm the belt collector. Yeah. I wear, I wear dark sunglasses everywhere I go. He's, he's a lot of fun right now. Okay. But I think the one that you'll be most titulated by is the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers, Ray Phoenix and Penta El Zero Miedo 
in a fucking cage match for the AEW Tag Team Championships. I I am really looking forward to that. Like I said, like the the narrative thing was a bit weird, but I really enjoyed watching the Young Bucks go. Like they they yeah. they put on an impressive show. And you also said the words cage match and you said luchadors. So I am. Yeah, uh, I, I would say that if there's anybody that is, I think the Young Bucks are the best tag team going right now. But if there's anyone that's more exciting than them, it's the, the Lucha Brothers. Like, okay. <laughs> they're, um, I mean, Penta's name is Penta yeah. the Zero Fear. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he might as well call himself. I mean, you know, am I going to be afraid watching this man wrestle? You might be. Okay. I mean, this this guy is fucking insane. I saw I saw him and Kenny fight it all in in a in a one on one match. And I was just like, these guys are going to fucking kill each other. Like no, it was okay. you're you're going to have a good time with it. OK, one. so are you excited? Yeah, I am really excited. I also am really excited to consume an event in the same room with other people i think that just like i am with fighting games like having watched fighting games live in the past just like sporting events like there is another intangible layer of magic when you're watching something with people in the same room and reacting live right absolutely man um you know and we haven't even touched on some of the the cast the characters that we're gonna see uh, on this show that i think you'll 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 really really like um but Speaking on watching it with other people, like this is one of the things that I'm really excited for you to do as well, simply because of what you just touched on, but also because it's really fun to see who pops for what. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, uh, I am the type of person I like flippy shit. I like luchadors. I don't like pain. But I love villains, right? Like, yes. so it, it, it'd be interesting to sit next to, like, I don't know, some hypothetical, like, Cena fan, like, where I'm popping when CM Punk uh, slams Cena and they're like, no, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 So, well, listen, I'm excited. Um, we are absolutely going to uh, do a little bit of a pre show and then a post mortem after AEW All Out. But as always, we will put what we watched in the show notes, it might be a little bit difficult for you to get a, a hold of these matches simply because they are so recent. And since I purchased them on pay-per-view, I still have rights to them to go stream from Bleacher Report. But if you can go out there and find these matches to watch, just don't tell me where you got them. And yeah. then we'll just call it that way. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you want to check out the rest of the wrestling arc from start all the way up to where we are right now and finish after all out 2021. You can do so at the manyfolds.com on Spotify, Apple podcast, big muscle, uh, <laughs> Google, Amazon, all the podcast areas. You're looking ripped, dude. Thank you. I've been going to the gym. I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been physically and mentally preparing for the wrestling arc. I see that. So it's not going to be me chopping you. It's going to no. be you chopping me. Oh, I'm slapping you in the sternum when I see you on Sunday. All I'm right. going to say hi to your wife. And I'm just going to be like, slap <laughs> what the five fingers say to the chest <laughs> Chop. all right come say hi at the many folds on twitter and instagram and until then i will see you tomorrow sir see ya